You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. God made me punch in the accurate numbers. My castle won't crumble. What I tackle will fumble. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet is up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single nail. I need all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? Well, Goliath fell. Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked I make all my moves on the board, I invented my steps uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler, I feel like Mansa Musa Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Triangle, look at it from my angle I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels yeah. I'm a king Heavy is the head that wears the crown I put in extra work that just can't be found I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king king Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king king Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night This is the Code of Conduct with the King Podcast I am your host, Jay Spence the King And I am, listen, listen it was Victory Monday yesterday, so that means it's Victory Tuesday today And I'm still doing the damn thing like I do I'm enjoying this entire week you know what I mean? It's, I can't wait for Wednesday. I can't wait for Victory Thursday and Victory Friday. Hell, I'm going to keep the victory thing going until Saturday. It's what we do. Y'all going to have to excuse me this week. I got a sty, so I'm looking a little nuts this week, but I'm enjoying the week. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. I don't even I, – I have a guest. I have Justina Anderson. What happened was we had to re- pre-record her interview so you're going to hear that in the podcast form. We're not going to have her live tonight with me. So y'all just stuck with me tonight. I hope that's okay. But I got some stuff I want to talk about. I got some stuff I want to talk about. So it's not going to be an extremely long episode. We're going we're gonna to try to to push for the full hour. Um, might not get there. I might not have enough content because I'm, I'm just too animated today. I got too much energy. But a couple things. Let, let's just start off with, let's start off with A, the coaching staff deserve some credit the coaching staff sean mcdenny brian dayball leslie frazier those guys deserve some credit brandon bean deserves some credit i was one of the main guys over uh let me see right after january february when the buffalo bills were eliminated from the playoffs i'm like you know we gotta we gotta move the needle we gotta get closer to the chiefs we gotta get closer to the chiefs fast forward through free agency fast forward through the draft And I felt like, okay, we drafted Gregory Rousseau. Everyone knows when we drafted him, I wasn't one of those dudes that was like, let's do this. I love the the pick. I didn't love the pick. Just being honest, I didn't love the pick. I was wrong about Gregory Rousseau. 
But one of the things that I said was we just we didn't move the needle to get closer to the Chiefs. The game that I saw in the AFC Championship, the game that I saw last season, the rosters just didn't look we didn't look close. But shout out to Brandon Bean for saying, no, I built this damn roster the right way. I did what I was supposed to do. The guys that are here are the guys who are supposed to be here. The difference is we had some injuries, whatever. We weren't ready. It could have been whatever. Last season just wasn't the time. But this Sunday night, this past Sunday night, the Buffalo Bills roll into Kansas City. They go into Arrowhead Stadium. And let's just let's just call it what it was. It was a massacre. It was a massacre, and the score looked closer towards the end of the game, just like the Bills score looked closer last year uh, than what it really was. It really it really wasn't even as close as it was. Save a couple of those those uh, those penalties. First of all, the, the referees just seemed to, like, for both sides. I don't even want to make it seem like it was a Bills thing. They were just throwing the flag out. It was just way too much, man. A lot of the stuff that should be – a lot of the stuff that we should just play through – we got to start playing through some of this stuff, man. It, it, it's um, it's getting ridiculous at some point when you're watching a game and, and like you're complete. We already had an hour delay at halftime because of the weather. Already had an hour delay. And now you're going to slow the game down even more by calling all of these penalties that really. I could, I could, I could question the refs because I'm not on the team. I'm not going to get a, a fine. <laughs> I'm not that important. So I, I'm going to question it, man. What the hell is going on? Granted. Obviously, all the Bills fans were happy with the the uh, roughing the passer call. In no way, shape, or form, to me, was that a roughing the passer. Go ahead and yell at me. It looks like he dived or put his all his weight on the Josh. It didn't. It didn't. He clearly he clearly eased up. Let's talk about the pass interference play uh, on Trey. Definitely shouldn't have been pass interference, but the one that that Stephon Diggs got was. You know, it's just a lot of things that we need to learn to play through or that the team and, and the league, not just the team, the, the league needs to learn like, hey, this is not a call around the league. The taunting penalties, all this stuff this year is just getting ridiculous. It's almost it's almost as bad as when we had the the replacement refs. And that was horrible. That was horrible. We got to We got to figure this thing out. But anyway, back to the game. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, they deserve credit. Because if they listen to to some most of these podcasters, maybe with the exception of like maybe Bruce, because Bruce is like, I'm team, stay pat, let's do what we do. Everybody else, man, and I'm gonna put myself on that front line. I wasn't happy with the running game. I wasn't happy with um cornerback two. I wasn't happy with um there there was certain things I wasn't I wasn't happy with the tight end. Can I can can we can we put some respect on Dawson Knox's name? This season he's been a number one tight end. And I don't mean a number one tight end for the Bills. He's been a number one tight end in the league. You rival his stats and you rival his production with what other players around the league are doing with his position. I guarantee he keeps his production going at the end of the season. He's going to be mentioned in the same breath. Now I get it. We want to see things happen more than one season. We want to see it happen a couple of times, but he's going to be mentioned in the same breath with those Mark Andrews and, and I'm, I don't want to go as far as saying uh, Darren Waller, but I'm telling you, the, the way he's playing right now, we got to put some respect on Dawson Knox's name. And again, I was one of the guys. Tight end is a weakness on this roster. Going into the season, tight end is a weakness on this roster. That's what I've been saying. 
And now you look you look at what Dawson's doing, and I'm going to tell you, that's, it doesn't look like much of a weakness at all. He blocks well. He's not dropping passes. Somebody tried to argue with me like, well, it's really been the last 15 games that he's been a number one tight end. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to – I love him. I love what he's doing this year. Let's talk about this season. I'm not going to go into last season and say that he was a number one tight end uh, for the last 10 games of the year last year because he wasn't. Dawson Knox, there was a reason why over the offseason a lot of people – including, you know, a lot of the analysts that we all look up to. There was a lot of people reporting on the game film, the numbers. The drops were there. The drops were there. He improved. He improved a heck of a lot. And now I'm glad to say tight end is not a weakness on this roster. The tight end position is not a weakness at all. The running back position was one that I was, uh, Joe, I'm yelling at Joe, Joe, we need, we need Travis Etienne in the first round. I was all depressed. (laughs) The Jacksonville Jaguars took him and I'm sitting here all ticked off. Why can't we just get a number one receipt? Right. And then you look at Travis Etienne's injured. We switch out Spencer Brown on the, on the offensive line. And now, no, we don't have a guy. We're not, we don't have the production out of the running back room where it looks like we have two number one guys or that we have one number one guy. But we're running the ball when teams know we're going to run it and we're still being successful. Spencer Brown has come in and he's completely changed the right side of the line, in my opinion. I have to, um, as of, you know, it's been two weeks. And from what I've seen, the run game has been more efficient. I'm taking nothing away from Cody Ford here. I love Cody Ford, and and it pains me that, um, you know, that he had to be benched and that the team is kind of moving forward with him in a, in a depth role now. But I'm going to tell you, the way this line looks, man, I, I'll be honest with you, this is, this is the best that I've seen the line look in a minute. This is the best that I've seen the line look in a minute. And a lot of this could be, a lot of this could be, um, you know, probably geared towards the Joe overreaction show because I might be in my feelings still, and this might be a lot of emotion. But the way I see it, the running back room is now running more efficiently. Last year, I, I was pounding the table, and I'm like, I don't need us to run more. I don't need us to run more. We just got to run better. We got to run better. 95% of the content creation community was screaming the same thing. We got to be better. We got to be better. More efficient, more efficient. We're not running the ball more. We're just better at it. Um, statistically, it might look like we're running it more. The difference is we've been having to run at the end of games to close games out. So, you know, fourth quarter, you're up 40 to nothing. You're up 35 to nothing. Yeah, you're going to hand the ball off. You're not going to pass the ball to, or give the ball to Josh to possibly get hit in the extra times. So, you know, that in that regard, statistically, yeah, we're running the ball more. But right now, the team is just better. We're efficient in every area every area the defense is lights out this is this is what we envisioned when the offense started to come together last year we all thought that the defense would look like this last year because this is how and actually they look better than they did the prior year everybody's like oh the the defense is gonna finally catch up we're gonna be a top four defense again and we're gonna have an offense like this is what we wanted this is what we wanted and then you know you're looking at starlet tulele and again, I'll say it for week number two. Some people still need to apologize to my guy, Star. Some people still need to apologize to my guy, Star. I got to shout out to guys over there at Buffalo Fanatics. They've been on this bandwagon, the same thing, for about a year and a half, two years. Starla Tulele is one of the most 
He's one of the most important pieces on this defense. And regardless of what his stats look like, regardless of um, how many times you see him actually get a sack or tackle for a fumble or tackle for a loss or force fumble, I can promise you every single play that he's out there, he's making things happen. People are the defense. The defense is being game planned for differently because star is in the lineup. And if you don't believe me, just go, go, go down your timelines, go look at, Go look at everything that Cover One is posting and go look at everything that all these other uh, networks outside of the Bills content community is posting. You're going to see Star eating up two, three blockers. There was one play this past Sunday where he literally had two guys and still found a way to push another guy back into the running back to make the, to make the tackle. We're going to have to put some respect on who Star is and what he does. He's the reason why we're seeing Ed Oliver do Ed Oliver things. The, the, the Ed that we wanted to see. Everybody was so accepted, uh, excited two years ago when Ed was playing, uh, when we played the Cowboys and Ed had that breakout game. That's what we called it, just breakout game. Ed is having those games. Maybe not that same level. He's not putting the same stats up, but he's being explosive because he's free. Because now he's in his proper position and Star is doing the dirty work. Star is the janitor out there. And he's just cleaning everything up and he's letting everybody else go and play, go and have their fun. I thank God for somebody like Star, man. I'm going to tell you, without Star, we're going to look like what we looked like last year. Also, rewind. Let's let's keep let's keep with this defensive line. Dead dog uh Groot, Greg Rousseau. I said on Twitter yesterday morning in my um in my victory Monday morning thoughts, you know, he's a young king. Greg Rousseau is a young king. And and what he's doing, first of all, I, I just admit it. I was wrong about his draft pick. I was so disappointed in in the performance that he put together as far as his tape. Uh, when he knew all these analysts and, and guys were going to be looking at him coming into the draft, he was he was supposed to be drafted higher, you know. And it's like, why would you perform so bad? You know, these coaches and these scouts are going to be looking at you, and you just didn't prepare for it. You had the whole year. So my my thought was his work ethic was down. His work ethic was bad. I didn't want him. Boy, am I happy to not be a GM at this point. <laughs> I'm so happy my name isn't Brandon Bean because he knew exactly what he was doing. And now when you watch Greg Rousseau on this field, first of all, it, it, there's been so many plays every week, every week, not just against the Chiefs Sunday, every week where he's being completely blocked but he still is able to use his length to make the tackle. He's shedding blocks, or even when he can't shed the block, he's just reaching out, grabbing dudes, and pulling them down to the ground. Greg Rousseau, interception. Interception. What? Use the length, knock the ball in the air. Interception. Those wide receiver skills are, are going to come into play. I hope this is the guy that we're going to get for the foreseeable future. For a long time. We got you on your rookie deal. Yeah, earn that second deal, bro. We need that. We need that. Greg Rousseau is doing things that I haven't seen out of a Bills defensive end in quite some time. And I love Jerry. No diss to Jerry. Love a lot of the guys that we've had. Greg Rousseau is young, and he's doing his stuff as a rookie. With that, That's another – the defensive line, the scheme that we use, we don't even allow guys to be on the field all game anymore. We rotate everybody in and out, in and out. So the production that we're getting out these guys are, is unheard of. It's unheard of. And I'm just, I'm thrilled to have it. I'm thrilled that the team is where we are. I'm, th- I'm thrilled that um, 
every everything that everything that we've been wanting out of this defense, we're finally seeing. There's some people who were critical of of Levi Wallace. Actually, even during the game, even during the game, I'm still seeing people tweet out, you know, Levi sucks and Levi. I'm going to tell you, Levi does not suck. He's doing everything that the team asks him to do. And then on top of him doing everything that the team is asking him to do, he's outperforming his one point whatever million dollar contract. Did, did we forget what we signed him for? He came back because he believed that this year was the, t- the year that we're going to win the Super Bowl. He would have gotten a check elsewhere. No, he's not a shutdown guy. He's not the guy that's going to shadow the number one receiver on the other team and go side to side. There's times that Trey can't do that well, or as well, I should say, because he does it well. Levi's playing well. This defense to be ranked the number one defense in the league after five weeks, still need more of a sample size for some people. I get it. Still need to, to see it consistently again and be like, oh, the Bills defense is back. I get it. That's not where I'm at. It's not where I'm at. at earlier this season, I told you I wasn't going to be humble too long. I'm done. I'm done being humble. I'm not going to be overly, you know, I'm not going to be just too much out there where I'm just like jumping on people for no reason. But the thing is, at some point we have to accept, okay, this is who we are. And I'm not about to keep being humble and trying to be quiet about it as if the Bills um, secretly are going to, no, the Bills are who they are. We saw through week five, Josh is back. The, or he never left. He's still the same MVP caliber player. People are questioning Diggs' involvement in the game. Diggs, that does not need to be questioned. What needs to be understood is that the offense is developing and they're building that chemistry back. And something that obviously was a was a key, and I'm going to touch on in a few, is Emmanuel Sanders' connection and chemistry with Josh Allen. They've been working on that, and you can tell it's something that's there. But back to the defense before I move on to the offense. Let's 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 realize that we are who we are. And my man Tremaine Edmonds. Last week, some people, even within the fan base, one of my guys and others were saying, well, I still didn't think he deserved defensive player of the week. He only had three tackles. And listen, (laughs) if if you if you really don't want to take the time. To see what Tremaine Edmonds is doing on the field, say that. Just say that. Tremaine Edmonds is lights out this year, man. No, he's not. He's not lights out in the sense of, again, always the comparisons are being made when you're talking about a number one middle linebacker, first round draft pick, all this stuff, right? He's not Ray Lewis. I don't need him to be. He's not Luke. Don't need him to be. I don't need him to be Mac. I don't need him to be any of those guys that you want him to be. What I need him to be is the guy that he's been this season. He's been doing things this year that I've believed that he could do the the entire time. And not only is he doing them, but he's doing them well enough to where it like he's not he's not missing. He's not he's not missing tackles. He's not he's not behind on plays. I know there's been some criticism like, oh, well, the ball, he can get plenty of interceptions that he's dropping. There's balls and Okay. That's cool. We need more takeaways. Cool. We lead the league in takeaways. So I'm not tripping in the area. Could we use more? Always. You always want more. You're not about to have me nitpick at at Tremaine Edmonds when he's performing like this for the year. You're not about to have me doing it. No. No. 
And talking about nitpicking, because I got called out yesterday after my, my morning takes. Again, all season, I've been pretty critical on the punt return, kick return game. Let me let me just say this, and this is the only thing I'll say about it tonight. I believe that Isaiah McKenzie is the dude for the job. I believe that I'm, Isaiah McKenzie can do well in his job. My problem with, with the punt and kick return game is not Isaiah McKenzie's ability. When Isaiah McKenzie gets the ball in his hands, he's dangerous. My issue with the punt and kick return game is mental. I feel like he's not making decisions quickly. I feel like he's not being aggressive. I feel like he's not doing the things that will allow the Buffalo Bills to look at that part of the game as a strength. That is the issue that I have. That's the issue that I have. I'm not talking about Andre Roberts. He can stay in, in Houston. Would I have liked to, for the Bills to retain him? Yes. We didn't? Okay. So let's move on. He's gone. He's gone. But come on. Come on. We got we to gotta do better. M- myth punts, muff punts, whatever it is, whatever word. I don't know. Dropping punts. Um and then we want to keep creating excuses. The weather, this, the weather, that. You can't blame them for that one kick because the ball, the weather dropped it in. The, okay. Now this past Sunday, oh, did you see how wet it was? it was? Every player had to play in the ring. Every player had to play in the ring. The kick return on the other team had to play in the ring. Josh had to throw in the ring. So did Patrick Mahomes. The running backs had to run in the rain. The receivers had to catch in the rain. And I'm pretty sure that the velocity on on some of those throws from Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes was probably a little bit higher than the the punt. Probably a little bit higher than the kickball. My my point is, I don't want to, I'm not nitpicking to that point to where I'm saying Isaiah McKenzie isn't doing well. I I wanted to speak positively on him because I do think that he's the guy that can do it. I don't think that the issue is his ability. I think right now the issue with Isaiah McKenzie is mental. I think it's mental. And I'm I'm hoping and praying that he figures this thing out before Stevenson comes in and takes the role or before the team tries to look elsewhere. We're still, you know, we got a few weeks before the trade deadline. It's a couple things that could happen. That's not something that I want to happen for, for my guy. It's not. So, Let's see. Let's see. Now, let's let's get to that offense, though, because a second ago I talked about Emmanuel Sanders and Josh Allen's chemistry. Can I just say that Emmanuel Sanders has to be the best free agent pickup by the Buffalo Bills for the locker room since Lorenzo Alexander? And I and I'm like, I want to be as. I, I want to be as 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 firm saying that as I can. We've picked up some great guys. We've we've made some great additions to this team. And there's been a lot of things happening. But the leadership that Emmanuel Sanders brings and the calmness that he brings in these big moments, second to none. Second to none. And he's such a I don't I, I'm sure at this point Josh doesn't need a mentor. But the confidence that he gives, that he provides to Josh, the confidence, and he's He's one of those guys that, you know, in the in the offseason, some of us slept on on who he is and, and his ability on the field. 
speed was never a problem for him. And I know because I've been saying this all offseason. Everybody was like, well, you know, I don't know. He's not this. He's not that. If you look at his stats last season with the Saints, last season with the Saints, he didn't have a quarterback that could do what Josh Allen could do. And we're clearly seeing that already. He's already burnt a couple guys. Week one, there was a touchdown that should have been had against the Steelers where he burned a guy. Josh overthrew him. Okay, we'll clean that up. And now this past Sunday, similar play, not the exact same play, but similar play. Josh dropped it in a bucket, threw it on a rope in a bucket. That's Emmanuel Sanders. He also has the route running. He also can create the separation. This offense is legit. Now, one thing I am concerned about, and I don't hear a lot of people speaking about it yet, and um, and maybe it's because I don't listen to a ton of people right now. Um, during the season, I try my hardest not to overly listen to other content because I like to keep mine fresh. But Cole Beasley's usage and his production has dropped tremendously from last season. I wanted that guy to get 1,000 yards so bad. I'm not talking about any of the political stuff. I don't think it has anything to do with his vaccine take or uh, none of that. On the field, none of that stuff matters. So please, let's not talk about that in the comments. But Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley's numbers just aren't the same. Now, could it just simply be Emmanuel Sanders came in and he's taken a lot of those targets? Maybe. Could it be the emergence of Dawson Knox now as the tight end that, that I was speaking to earlier? Maybe. But I feel like in this type of offense, there's space and there's room for everybody to eat. Dig still hasn't had like the major day that we were expecting from him every week. You know, like now we almost go into every single week saying like, okay, Diggs is going to eat and now, but he hasn't really done that yet this season. And that's okay. He's going to, but what I'm seeing from, I, 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 he's healthy. Beasley's healthy. At least that's what the team is telling us. And that's what I'm assuming. Some of the catches that he's made so far have been great catches. So, yeah, I'm not sure as to to why um, his production has dropped. It's something to monitor. I'm not going to go in on it right now because, again, it's something to monitor. I love him, but we'll see. We'll see. But Emmanuel Sanders has definitely um, been an upgrade to John Brown. And as much as I love Smoke, I've always loved Smoke. Smoke, Smoke was the guy that, um, you know, when when – Nobody wanted to come in and play with Josh. He was that guy that was like, man, I could be your number one receiver. I got the speed. I could do it. Had his best season with Josh Allen, came in here, put some eyes on Josh. That was the purpose for John. And John came in and did it. He came in and did it. And so thank you to John. But what we're seeing when you have somebody like Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders together with Josh Allen, we haven't even seen Gabriel Davis have a big game yet. He's made a couple clutch plays. You know, we've seen him, but. We haven't even seen Davis be the guy that he was last year. We have so many weapons on this offense. We have so many weapons on this offense. But the thing is, Josh actually can trust Emmanuel Sanders just like he trusts Stephon Diggs. And I think that's the reason why you see the targets. That's what, Because he knows when I throw that ball to him, it's not going to get dropped if it touches his hands. When I throw it to him, that ball is not going to get intercepted. If, I, if, if I'm giving him a shot to go and get it, Sanders is going to fight for me to make sure it's an incompletion if the, other, if the defender happens to get it. I love Emmanuel Sanders, man. He, he's, he's big time. He's big time. Road talk, he's big time. And, and what he's done for this team, not just the offense, 
what he's done for the locker room, he's absolutely elevated the confidence even even more a step past where we were last year. And that's needed. That's needed because the mental aspect of going into these big games, like this past Sunday, that was Emmanuel Sanders saying, we're a good team. We're a great team. Regardless of who we took an L to and regardless of last season, how it didn't work out, we're a great team. And all we have to do is be us. That's the leadership that you need from players. Because coaches, that's that coach talk. Coach talk will, will get out there anyway. But when you got a guy respected like Emmanuel Sanders in the locker room, having these conversations with Josh, having these conversations with Stephon Diggs, having these conversations with the rest of the team, it's it, it clicks differently when you have a player. And that's why I mentioned Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo was a heck of a player for our team. Special teams, defensively, he did the dirty work. He made the plays that people, um, A, I don't want to say couldn't do, but he just seems to always be in the right place. He did everything right. That's Emmanuel Sanders on offense. And and the leadership aspect that comes with it, ask anybody on the team. When when Lorenzo was there, Lorenzo was basically the coach, but he was a player, (laughs) and he was a damn good player. Emmanuel Sanders on offense is out there, and I promise you he's in everybody's ear. And it's not just, yeah, it's Josh's team. Josh is the captain. It's It's Steph's team. Steph is the captain. I promise you those guys listen to and look up to Emmanuel Sanders and what his leadership is doing for this team cannot be understated. It just can't be understated. He can't. So MVP discussion. Is it too soon to start talking MVP discussion? Josh's numbers haven't been what they, what we expected them to be Um, in the truest sense of the word. I guess this could be considered what regression is, right? But when you look at it, he doesn't have the same number of completions. His completion percentage is down from last season, but he's taken less sacks. So in my mind, he's throwing balls away more, um, which is good. But that doesn't that's not going to give you all the completions that we've seen. So is it is it is it increasing as far as his um his com- incompletion percentage or what? Who knows? Who cares? All I all I see is right now he's making the right reads and the right throws at the right times. It shows me that his his mental has take, taken another step forward as well. He's he's doing everything right at the line of scrimmage. And and now, so his rookie and in, in second year in the league, all we saw was this physically dominating player that would just come in and just take take what he wanted when he wanted, and he had to physically assert his will. Now what I'm seeing is Josh is being surgical. He's taking those moments to to pick and choose when he has to run. He's taking the moments and then he's throwing, but he's not, he's throwing at will. He's throwing at will. Granted, the Chiefs defense is not ranked well. They're not a great defense. I didn't think that they would be a great defense against Josh. But when I tell you Josh is Josh is Josh. Is it too early to start talking to get him back in an MVP conversation? I believe Tom Brady's there. He had a, a rough game against the Patriots. But regardless, besides that game, Tom Brady has been lights out all season. Justin Herbert, geez, man. Justin Herbert is a machine. He's a machine, and they're going to be happy out there in, in, um, in Los Angeles for a long time. That kid is special. He's a machine. And then, you know, you know also, I got, I got some flack Sunday. Because I mentioned Baker. Um, and you all know I haven't been a fan of Baker. But this is why. 
this is why. So Baker didn't lose that game Sunday against Justin Herbert. The the Chargers and the Browns game was not lost by Baker Mayfield. If you look at his stats and you look at his performance throughout the day, he absolutely put up enough points. He he should have he that should have been enough points to win a game by any means. I'm not blaming that loss on Baker. However, if you give Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, there's a few guys that if you give them the ball with two minutes left, down by a score, with time on the clock, and an offense like that, you're saying, okay, we know who wins this game. Too much time on the clock for Tom Brady. Too much time on the clock for Patrick Josh, Josh, in his third year, in his third year, actually, no, his second year, he had more fourth-quarter comeback victories than anybody. Last season, he killed it with the comeback victories. So I understand um, Baker isn't necessarily, and he shouldn't be those guys, but he was the number one overall pick. He's going to get this criticism. It's going to happen. Baker isn't in the same conversation. Baker is not in the same conversation as the other first round picks of that year. If we if we do that draft over, I guarantee you, Josh Allen's going first, Lamar Jackson's going second. If you're if you're talking about an MVP, okay, Lamar Jackson's going first, Josh Allen's going second. And right now, Lamar's playing better as well. He's throwing the ball a whole lot better. I hope a lot of you got a chance to watch Monday Night Football last night. Lamar's throwing the ball a whole lot better, and it wasn't just that game. Look at his numbers. Go watch the games. Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball this year. No, he's not throwing it for 400 a game. Lamar Jackson is throwing it, though, and his accuracy is up. Last night, Lamar Jackson had, I believe, over 80% completion percentage on throw. He threw the ball over 43 times, or over 40 times. I think it was 43 exact. In history, he has the highest completion percentage for somebody throwing the ball that many times in a game. Check it out. That's a fact. That's not me making it up. We got to get, and I thank Bruce for actually um, tweeting that this morning. We got to get past all this Lamar Jackson as a running back thing. The guy's a quarterback, and he's mobile. You got to give him. You got to give him the respect. He's won an MVP. He hasn't missed the playoffs. He's winning the games. He's winning. They're four and one. He is winning games. I saw a statistic, and I hate statistics like this because it implies that um, Jackson doesn't need receivers. It implies that he doesn't need a line to block. It, it implies that tight ends don't block and whatever. But Lamar Jackson has more yards than half the league, half the teams in the league. So while I hate those type of stats, because obviously, yeah, no, you you need your tight ends, you need your running backs, you need a it's still we have to we have to be honest enough to take a step back and be like, all right, I was wrong about somebody. All you Lamar Jackson haters were wrong. All of you Lamar Jackson haters were wrong. Wrong. I've been wrong about Baker. Baker has shown me enough to say, okay, he's not a bad quarterback. I still don't think he's as good as everybody wants to make him, but he's not a bad quarterback. But there are tears, and and Lamar Jackson is somebody we've seen him do it. You give him the ball late in the game, he's going to score. He's going to do what it takes to get your team that that touchdown to win. Just ain't seen that from Baker, man. Just haven't seen that from Baker. So I don't know. I don't know. I think that 
think that when it comes down to it, what we've seen from Josh, what we've seen as far as his progression, I think what we've seen from Lamar as far as his progression, I think it's fair to say that that draft class is still a success. It's a successful draft class. You know, Josh Rosen, you know, I, I still don't think he, he got the, the he, he got a fair shake. He didn't get a fair shake. Now he's the backup in, in Atlanta. Again, he won't get a fair shake. I don't think that they're going to look his way at all after uh, Matty Ice, which I think Matty Ice still has a couple of years. You know, um, forget his contract situation. I think he has, if you're watching him, um, he looks timid. He looks scared. He's not making all the throws right now. But at the same time, he, they don't necessarily have an offensive line to protect him. I'd be scared too. You know, and he's not mobile. He's not Josh or Lamar where he can run. So Josh Rosen, I don't think he's going to get a fair shake. He's, gonna, he's not going to get that shot when all this stuff happens. You know, um, I don't know. It's rough. It's a rough shake. But but Baker ain't that dude, man. Baker ain't that dude. And and we got to stop. We got to stop being selective with who we decide is good and isn't good. Because now it, it now it just looks like hate. Now it just looks bad when you're when you're consistently hating on Lamar Jackson. The guy's four and one. Last season he went to the playoffs. The season before he went to the playoffs. His rookie year he went to the playoffs. <laughs> he has an MVP. He's done all this stuff, but yet we still want to hate on Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar Jackson can't be that dude. Lamar's a damn good quarterback, and he's not a good running back who throws the ball. He's a damn good quarterback, and he's taken steps forward to improve in areas that everybody questioned. If Lamar just keeps running, ain't no way he's going. We saw Mike Vick. We saw the, we saw, and we're talking about all the mobile quarterbacks in history. We ain't seen Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is different. Lamar Jackson is different. Granted, he's mobile. He was smaller. He, he packed on some weight. He put on some muscle. He's throwing that ball. And I want y'all to, I want y'all to give him some respect. <laughs> same way I'm asking for Star earlier. Same way I'm talking about Tremaine. Look, y'all need to put some respect on my man Tremaine. I mean, my man Lamar Jackson's name. I know it's not our quarterback. It's not the Bills player. We need to respect him because the guy is doing it, and he's doing it well. Shout out to my man L. Kuj. <laughs> Shout out. Back to these bills. So tomorrow, I got the hump day hotline. I want to talk just for a moment about the Tennessee Titans next week. Typically, I don't talk about the next game on the Code of Conduct because I want to, you know, save all of that for the hump day hotline with Joe. And then I go into it with the chop up crew on Saturday. But I kind of want to talk about it for a moment here because uh, I'm not talking about the game anyways. I want to talk about us going to um, Buffalo I don't want to call it Buffalo South because technically Buffalo South is Carolina. So we're going to, we're going to, this is the Midwest. Are we considering Tennessee the Midwest? I, I want to take, I want to take a moment to say we need to get to Buffalo Midwest and do it like we do it every year. We need to get down there and take over this stadium. Titans fans are insufferable. Insufferable. I know there's a lot of disdain recently over the Kansas City Chiefs fans. You should have that. <laughs> you should have that. They're going to be our rivals for a long time. It's not going to be the Patriots. I hope everybody, I, I hate the Patriots, but I hope everybody has a, a order of priority when it comes to their hate. I used to hate the Patriots first, Miami second, Jets third, and then everybody else. Sorry, it's my division and I hate those guys, but they're not going to be good for a long time. I hate the Chiefs. 
I hate the Titans. I hate the teams that we're going to see in the playoffs. I don't hate the Ravens. I'm sorry. I've been a Ravens fan too long. I don't want them to do well against us. I want us to beat them every time we play them. But I want I want success for that franchise out there. I, they they remind me so much of us as a, as a franchise. Now they got a Super Bowl. They had some, but they went through some things as far as um, subpar quarterback play. They went through some things with um, just just the way the fan the, the the franchise is loyal, just like the Bills fans are as well. There's a lot of things about them I like. Cleveland has fans like that, but I don't think the fans were as loyal. I can that can be debated. That can be debated. Um, I want to see Baker do well. So again, the hate comes from it comes from that. But um, we gotta we gotta prioritize our hate here. And to me, the Titans fan base, the Titans fan base, needs to be at the top of that list. We got the Chiefs there. We need to have the Titans there, and then we can get the, the Patriots back. Because the Patriots, they're not making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. The Jets, come on. The Jets are not making the playoffs. I thought Miami could have. This quarterback situation is going to hurt them a whole lot more. Uh, when you listen to this on the on the podcast version of it, you'll hear Josina Anderson talk about um, some of the things that she's hearing about Miami right now and, and talking about Deshaun Watson. Apparently there is still some chatter going on down there and she had, she has the inside scoop. So make sure you check this out on podcast form. But, but man, I'm telling you, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not looking good in our division for the other teams. The bills have a stranglehold this season. And that it just, I find it tough to believe that for the next three to five years, they're going to be able to put anything on the field that's really going to be able to compete with us as far as the division goes. I just don't see it. Conference-wise, I'm telling you, it's going to be the Bills. It's going to be the Chiefs. It's going to be the Chargers. It's going to be the Ravens. If you don't have one of those four quarterbacks, it's going to be slim pickings for you in the AFC Championship game. It's going to be slim pickings for you in the AFC Conference. Now, I'm glad to say I feel that we have one of the top three guys. As a Bills fan, everybody wants to say he's one, and I'm, I'm with you on that. But for the next 15 years, you're going to see a lot of Patrick Mahomes in the, in the Super Bowl. You're going to see Herbert's going to get there. Herbert's going to get there. I don't think it's this year because I want it to be the Bills. Herbert is going to get there. There's just something about some of these young guys that come into the league when you know it. Like you see these guys playing, it's like, oh, he's a star. Herbert is a star. Herbert is a star. And, and he just has everything I want Baker to have. He just has everything I want Baker to have. And we saw that on full display Sunday as the Chargers beat the, beat the Browns. Baker played a good game. I'll say that again. He played a good game. But, man, Herbert. Actually, Baker played an amazing game. Again, he didn't lose the game. He didn't lose the game. But he didn't win it. And Herbert came through and as a second year player and said, look, I'm that dude over here. I'm that dude over here. And I'm going to show y'all what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. So Bills fans, Tennessee, let's get to Tennessee. Let's get out there and show them a, that we're going to dog walk their team. Like, like we have been doing anyway, because that's what we've been doing. I know they got us last year with the COVID game, whatever, but we we're going to dog walk everybody. Going forward, the Titans are not as good as they were. Their defense has taken a major step back. The receiving core is beat up. Brown played Sunday, but 
he's not healthy. I'm still not completely sold on Tannehill. His numbers improved since he left Miami. Uh, and a lot of people kind of wanted look, you got Derrick Henry back there. It's, it's a whole lot easier to throw it because everybody's in, in the box. You got eight guys in the box almost every play. And he's still not now you got we're not gonna we're not gonna get into Tannehill. I don't have time. But I'm not sold on Tannehill. I am sold on the fact that Derrick Henry is that dude. What we've seen from the Bills this this year is that we can stop the running attack. Now, can we stop? Can we contain Derrick Henry? I haven't seen many teams really do it successfully. So can we do that? I hope so. I would like to see it. That's that that uh Monique meme. I would like to see it. I sure would. Do I think that we can? I don't know. He's a big deal. But I don't think I don't think he's gonna win the game exclusively. I think they're going to need a big game from defense and they're going to need a big game from their, their offensive weapons other than Henry in order to beat the Bills Sunday. And I don't see it happening. But what I'm going to say is Bills Mafia, get down there, get loud, get, get rowdy, as, as rowdy as can be. Get rowdy as can be. It's, it's time. It's time for us to, to... I don't want to say it's time for us to turn into the annoying fan base like the Chiefs have become. Uh, how Patriots fans were. We haven't won a Super Bowl. We haven't won nothing. So I can't, I don't want to encourage people to get on that level of of arrogant. But it's time to be proud of who we are. It's time to be proud of the fan base that we are. We've been loyal. We've been there when we've had six and 10 teams. We've been there through Ryan Fitzpatrick starting the season off great, extending him, and then us not winning many games after that. We've been there through Jeff Toole. We've been there through quarterbacks slipping in the offseason and ruining their knee for the and going on injured reserve for the year. We've been there through EJ Manuel. We've been there through um, Marshawn Lynch being traded. We've been there through, like, I can name, I can list stuff for almost two decades. I can list stuff that we've been there for and we've been loyal for. That Bill Stadium, Ralph. The Ralph Wilson Stadium, whatever you want to call it, Highmark Stadium, New Era Field. We've been through all of these name changes and we've been through um, we've been through Donald Trump attempting to buy the team. We've been through we've been through all of this stuff. And now we're here. And yeah, there's some fan bag, oops, fan bag, some bandwagon fans that jumped on now. There's some that jumped on. That's what happens when you start winning. You get noticed around the country and now people are like, that's my squad. I'm with the Bills. That's fine. Y'all, y'all can hang out. But the real, those of us who bleed red, white, and blue, those of us, those of us who, who bleed like this and have been bleeding like this for some time, those of us who have game tickets uh, when we were playing against teams that we knew we weren't going to beat, but we went out there to be as loud as hell as possible anyways. Yeah, we're the fan base that's been loyal for decades. We're the fan base that's been selling out teams or games when teams were going three and 13. We only had a couple of those seasons. But we're, we're that fan base. So now it's time to be proud. It's time to stand up. My man, Cal Brent says, Mafia, mount up. It's time to mount up. It's time. I'm going to go ahead and end this thing. If you're listening to this on podcast form, please stay tuned for Miss Josina Anderson. If you're, if you're watching this with me now, Bills fans. Let's do this. Sunday, let's get to let's get to Tennessee. Let's make this thing as loud as possible. 
And let's this just do what we got to do. This is a Jay Spence exclusive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited. Another week with another special guest. Actually, this one is um this one. I'm excited to have this special guest because she's somebody that I think a lot of us follow and a lot of us look up to. I do a lot. So first, let me just introduce. She's one of the most successful women in sports. I'm going to just do it that way. Miss Josina Anderson. How's it going today? Well, I am pleased to be on your show. You have been very patient with me um, as far as coming on. There's been a lot going on as far as, you know, just transitioning from, you know, my previous network and starting up a lot of different things, you know, uh, on my own and with various other networks. So as you can probably see now that things have unfolded why I was so busy. <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, and I'll, we can actually ju- just jump right into that. You actually have a, a new platform, a new show, and um, it's called The Crew. Uh, or the crew show. How do how do you want me to say that? I'm sorry. Either way is fine. Yeah, either way is okay, fine. Okay, so so it's the crew, and and it's actually like an all star lineup. So for those of you who haven't heard about it yet, it, it's it's um, Buffalo Bills former Buffalo Bills cornerback Josh Norman is there. Um, he's actually with the 49ers now, I believe. Right? He just signed. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably going to be a little weird. Morris Chestnut. Okay, I'm going to go through everybody, but first I got to okay. we got to pause. Morris Chestnut's involved. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk about Morris real quick? <laughs> this Speaking dude is one of my favorite. Text uh, to me right now. Hold on one second. Um, <laughs> uh, for after. Okay, go ahead. So go, you were asking. No. I'm sorry. Well, no. Well, first, this is part of the reason why I love your job too. It's so cool. Like I look at you and Adam Scheffner and and like people with all the news going all the time. Your phones are just going. Um, what is that like for you? We can get back to the show, but now like I'm seeing you live in person and I'm seeing this happen. So like, what is it like for you on a day-to-day basis, just doing all of this stuff that you're doing and and having all of this information coming your way? Tiring, tiring (laughs) because you're right. My phone is constantly going off. I think yesterday I worked from probably about 6 a.m. to about 1 a.m. Um, and then I was up till about 5 a.m. cleaning up because you're still trying to take care of the domestic things in life uh, as well, which is, you know, over the last eight weeks, just trying to launch the crew and and launch everything else has been crazy. Um, It's been a lot going on working for USA Today and then starting to work for CBS Sports uh, HQ and then trying to launch the crew and get through all the kinks of that technically and then I still haven't even fully launched the podcast I was doing last year, which I'm hoping to be able to do this week. But, you know, there's a lot of work, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. OK, so let's get back to the crew real quick. Um, yeah. So uh, you asked to go about through Morris. And, and, <laughs> yeah, because, well, Morris, I, I, he's he's just somebody who's like everybody's favorite. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing about Morris. And the thing is, he also has like a, li- a little bit of a football background at least with the acting i can't speak to his personal life but um the film that he shot was actually in buffalo and this podcast is one of those um shows that's a buffalo bills based uh fan based show and when he shot uh the best man the sequel to it that was shot in buffalo so we just got a lot of love for him so you know if he gets a chance to hear this i just want to let everybody know like we love him in buffalo we remember the fact that he was there for everybody in buffalo to get with watching the crew um you know, the show streams Sunday, 7.30 at the conclusion of all the 4 p.m. games, but before Sunday Night Football, you can find it on my Twitter, thecrewshow.com, our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com, undefined with josineanderson.com. Um, and then also on Tuesdays, we do another live show at 8.30. So 
you tell all your Buffalo fans, since y'all got all this love for Morris. Yeah, and Josh. We got the connection Josh. to Josh. So, come, come, so. Up, come up on the show. Maybe we start doing some giveaways and things like that. Matter of fact, the last time I talked to Tredavious White, he told me I had to come up there and jump on the table. But then I think <laughs> they proceeded to lose that game, so I didn't have to come. But I'm sure the next time I have him on my show, he's going to remind remind me about that. So. And yeah, he he'll uh, he'll win the next bet because we're on a roll. So, but tell me a little bit about the show. So you know, so when viewers tune into the crew, uh, so w- what is it that we can expect a little bit? Because this is a, a a cast that you wouldn't normally see together. So, um, well, and, and I'm speak- glad that you noticed that because that's the premise. The premise is, you know, when I watch sports shows on television. Um, you know, to be quite frank, a lot of them bore me because, you know, and I don't mean that from a, a, a arrogant standpoint. I mean that from because I'm an insider. So I really have that, um, you know, thought process as to whether I feel like the person knows what they're sorry. I really don't mean to have all this going on in the background to so whether the person knows, you know, what they're talking about and whether that whether I feel like the crew actually has chemistry. One of the reasons why I think um, Charles Barkley's show uh, on TNT with Shaq and all those guys is really good because it's organic. It's, you know, the chemistry, they're just talking. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I feel like I'm seeing on TV. You know, sometimes I feel like I see, you know, a group of people that producers force together um, or that producers like or that the networks like, but not necessarily deserve to be in the chair and don't necessarily know what they're talking about, don't necessarily have the chemistry together. So I think first and foremost, you have to really like the people that you're watching and feel that they're credible and then give them something distinct about it, too. And that and, and so the premise for that was trying to cross section voices that you don't normally see. So enter Morris Chestnut and Derek Augustine, who also plays Muhammad Ali on Godfather mm-hmm. of Harlem on Epics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so Derek Augustine, that's another, again, um, the connection or not necessarily to Buffalo, but I just love how you're building the show is what I'm saying. Like it's you uh, you have different backgrounds and different things and it's not common. And to speak to um, kind of what you mentioned about Charles Barkley and that crew it's completely different than anything that's out there. And, and I think that that's what you're, what you're getting. And obviously that's what you're shooting for. Uh, So let's, let's talk about you being an insider for a moment. You um, you're a leader in this industry and it's one of those things where um, typically it's, it's, it's always been kind of sort of dominated by men and you've found a way to kind of just like rise to the top and do your thing. And I know it takes a grind, uh, but can you just talk about the process and how difficult it's been, but then, you know, like, what would you, what would you, what advice would you give to other women who are looking to do it? Because there's a lot of smart women in sports. Well, I've been, you know, doing NFL insider and Jesus, sorry, since, um, since at least I got to Denver as far as, um, as far as, you know, the NFL component, although I was covering the NFL before 2005 as well. But it takes a lot of different layers, you know, since over the years I have been, you know, exposed to different types of stories from, you know, deaths like Darren Williams to cases that went to the state Supreme Court, like, you know, Star Caps to, you know, Adrian Peterson, Antonio Brown, Frank Clark, you know, uh, you know, Vontez. I mean, I, there's so many and in, in breaking news and substance of abuse or, you know, the, you know, or whatever, Josh Gordon or this or that. And, and so all the while you build these different layers of how to handle different situations. And then also 
It's just like the other night when I was covering the NFLPA vote and we were all waiting to see if uh, Executive Director D. Maurice Smith was going to be reelected. And someone had sent me a text saying that, um, you know, it was going to be his final term. But the source said that D. Maurice Smith said that. And if I had just been so quickly, you know, uh, pressed to get the news out, um, I would have reported it as such. But as I was reading the text, I was like, well, Devorah said, how could he have said he's not in he's not in the vote? He's not present in the vote. So there was an aspect, even though what the the backside of that text was correct, saying that it would be his final term, you know, DeMaurice said that would have been a little bit either confusing at, you know, worst and obviously or at best and at worst, you know, incorrect. So perhaps that was heard prior to the meeting or after the meeting or message during the meeting. But so, you know, just so what I'm saying is the more you do that, you the more you do it, you develop filters in your brain and your ears and your eyes for how to recognize what sounds true, what is true, the, you know, uh, being able to discern the credibility of a source, um, you know, being able to pick out things like that, slowing yourself down. And once you, you know, break enough stories, you're not necessarily pressed to get the next one out. You know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. not like, oh, I have to have this one so you can slow down. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. It's um, and it's it's kind of amazing how it comes through. And I think back to I, I feel like you were about to say the uh, Vante or Vantes situation back in the day. Um, it, it, which story or which moment for you in your career would you look back on and say, you know, that was either maybe your favorite or one of the biggest moments that you could look back and say, like, wow, this was <laughs> this was a cool story to, to really cover. There's so many. I mean, I can't, I mean, I, I really can't think of, I'll just probably go to one of the last ones or something that comes to my head quickly, as opposed to if it's the best one. Um, and I would just say, you know, when I was at Super Bowl uh, two years ago, um, Antonio Brown had given me a call, um, you know, Kobe Bryant had just died uh, uh, maybe a day or two before that. And I was in Miami and I was covering, um, you know, the Super Bowl for ESPN. And let's just say there was some stuff going down with me in the network, um, uh, you know, in Miami. And consequently, you know, right after that, um, you know, I got a call from Antonio Brown. I, I feel like two days before that he had asked me, you know, he was having lunch with Tom Brady in Miami, asked me if I could, you know, come down. I could not uh, because I had to be on air for ESPN. And, um, and I was trying to pursue an interview with him at that time. And later on in the day, you know, some stuff had gone down with me and work. And anyways, uh, unbeknownst to him, he called me and I was crying about something and he heard me and he was like, what's wrong? You know, what's going on? And I was telling him what's going on. He, and he was like, bump this, yo, we gonna, I'm going to give you this interview now. And so that's how I ended up getting the Antonio Brown sit down, you know, that aired Super Bowl day, which was, you know, a very ultimate experience for me because he hadn't talked to anyone all year, done a sit down. You can't ask for a better time to have an extremely big exclusive. And no matter what you say about Antonio Brown or the or whatever, uh, you know, things that have transpired with him, you, you see, that's the aspect of that player that I know. You know, he, he saw that I was in need and he wanted to come through for me and I appreciated it, you know, so that was really, really good. So a, a little bit of football talk now. So the division. Um, so obviously I cover the Bills, but Miami is trying to make some noise in the back. It seems like I've been hearing a lot of stuff about uh, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. Not he hasn't been active yet this season for we know everybody knows the reasons why um, you you 
had a report recently that that said that Miami really wants to pull the trigger on this. What can you uh, kind of elaborate on that, or is there something holding that up? So yeah, so what I reported was that um, there are people in the building who have ex- you know expressed interest in wanting to do that, and that the impression is that the holdup resides with the owner Stephen Ross, with um, you know obviously not going through with that yet, because if that were the case, then obviously he would be a member of the Miami Dolphins right now. So clearly there's some as well the aspect of that is true. Um, and, um, not to mention that the other side of it is the compensation piece. So you have the stuff off the field that creates an added layer of complication. And then you have the compensation piece with, uh, what I had heard, at least as of the time that I had reported it, the Houston Texans wanting at least three first round picks and three additional assets. So it's a lot of, you know, uh, asset exposure to take on, particularly if you're not sure, when you know the player is going to be available but at the same time and i could be wrong on this i don't have it right in front of me i guess i could google it while we're talking i believe deshaun is 26 or 27 or something like that so even though the full adjudication in this case whether you're looking at it civilly or criminally could take up to anywhere from a year or two um which is true um or the case could get civilly settled at any moment, it could get settled tomorrow, although I don't think so because the attorney that's involved in the case is involved in another trial right now. And as of last week, he thought it was going to be um, a week or two per what other sources were telling me. So, um, you know, the question right now is, you know, what is actually, if anything, gonna be even resolved prior to November 2nd, which is the trade deadline. And, even with that lack of clarity, both criminally and civilly, um, is there any owner out there, namely right now, the Dolphins and or the Eagles owner, unless someone else has stepped in there and I haven't talked to, you know, my sources on the, you know, that side of things with Deshaun, I guess I would say in about since the last time I reported it, um, if they're willing to, you know, pull the trigger without full clarity. But at, what, but at the end of the day, what you do know, it's going to end at some point and Deshaun is, you know, in his mid twenties. And so, you know, regardless of when you have him, how how long it will take, you will have him, you know, thereafter until however long, if you're looking at the lifespan of uh, Tom Brady's career right now. So what is that worth to you? (laughs) Yeah. It it just seems like a steep price. You know, you're talking three firsts and then also a a few other assets. That's just, I don't know. He's, he's absolutely a talent that I would, you know, he's he's top five if he's active right now. But I just don't I, I don't know. That, that just seems like a lot to me. Well, I mean, here's the thing, The If I were a GM and I understand you, know, you have to put a high priority on draft picks um, and things like that. But, you know, to me, I always feel like if I were a GM, I would probably be putting more stock in, um, you know, players that are getting their second contracts and or their at least their second contract. Right. Because a draft pick could just it's to me, it's just so much more unknown. And I'd rather have some evidence, some resume to go off of. I mean, that's basically like you wanting to hire someone to be the next producer of your podcast. And they're just coming in as this all-star rookie out of podcast college, or you're going to look at the guy who's the ultimate producer, who's been doing it the last four years on such and such show. And everyone might be saying he's the dude, he's going to be the next, you know, bad, bad behind producer. And he's going to blow your show up. Or, you know, the dude who's already worked on P. Diddy's podcast for four years and you already know what it is. So that's how I philosophically would be, you know, but 
I'm not a GM. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I guess that's why I'm not a GM, because that's such a to me, that's a decision that I don't know if I would want to be able to make for a franchise because because you're also talking millions of dollars. His contract isn't um, he's not on a rookie deal. So mm-hmm. so you're talking money. And um, but but, what but, it should be, but also you have to remember that the NFL also did one hundred and ten billion dollar deal with the networks last year. So, I mean, I'm not saying that all of that goes to one team. Obviously, there's a revenue split that goes from, you know, from the owners and the teams, you know, over that. But, you know, it's it's a hundred million dollar plus contract because it's proportionate mm-hmm. to the amount of money that's coming in. And and, and, a, and a player that touches the ball that many times should have that, you know, proportion. So it's not like they can't, you know, make the necessary, you know, cap gymnastics to, you know, make it work. It's just a matter of, you know, um, how much does it bother you to not know the end or have the full clarity of the case right now before making that decision? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things, you know, you got to be able to talk about, you know, from, because, you know, as they say, sports is a microcosm of life and it reflects, you know, a lot of things about life, but it also reflects how a lot of things intersect, you know, um, within the sphere that you're in and outside of the sphere that you're in. And so whether that's the legal world, that whether that's the criminal world, whether that's sports, whether that's philanthropic, whether that's outside passion. So there's a lot of things that, you know, kind of come into that talk, but it's also what makes the NFL so, um, so interesting. But you guys have a really good, uh, you know, fever, passion, you know, pitch going on with your 4-1 team, <laughs> as we yeah, saw we- last night, you know, <laughs> Sunday night football. Yeah, we um, you know, it, it's it's surreal for Bills fans because for so long, you know, we've always had these rosters where it's like, you know, we got the talent, but it just, you know, never kind of was put together. And this year, it just feels like, you know, a guy Trey and and um Josh and Stephon Diggs, it just seems like they're putting it together this year. So it's uh it's exciting, and I'm gonna ride the wave as long as I can because I've been suffering for a year. <laughs> now you sound like how the Cleveland fans used to sound. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it feels like. And and you know what? You you mentioned Trey White earlier. He's one of my favorites on the team because of the personality that he brought before the winning came. Mm-hmm. Um can you um can you just kind of speak because I know he always you could tell that that he's one of your favorites because you're one of his favorites. Can you just kind of speak to Bills fans would love to hear a quick little I don't if there, I don't know if there's a story that you can tell or not, but uh we all know that that Trey is Trey is one of our favorites. It just probably go back to the last time I interviewed him. I believe um, when he came on my show last year, I was wearing a Tigers outfit. So he was saying something about how I wanted to be some undercover LSU Tiger. And then I was, I was like, I don't recall ever thinking or feeling that way. And I was like, matter of fact, I'm pretty sure every time I ran for UNC, uh, UNC would, you know, wax at, you know, whatever, when we saw you on the track. And so, you know, we get into our whole, you know, LSU, UNC, Tar Heel, whatever, whatever, whatever. So just like per usual, when he comes back on my podcast, I have to lay it down and let him know what time it is in the ACC and how we run things, you know, in the in sports, whatever. But, you know, I love Trey because, you know, especially with, you know, the guys or whoever I'm interviewing on my show, just even like talking to you right now, you know, uh, obviously very detailed in the things that I do and I talk about, but everybody, you know, knows, I'm, you know, very, you know, go easy too. And, and that's what I want, you know, when people are talking to me or whatever, whether it's Trey, who I love because, you know, he, um, 
you know, he's very, you know, chill and relaxed. And I remember the first time he came on, he was like, oh, I could tell this is going to be relaxed. Okay, we, 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 you know, so that, and then he gives me energy and I give him that energy back. And that's exactly how I am. I want people to be like that when they're talking to me. So I always appreciate him. He's always welcome on the show. <laughs> yeah, no, I love Trey. Trey's the man. He, uh, and you're right, he's been bringing that energy on the field and in the city since before. Now that the winning is coming too, it just makes it so much sweeter. So, mm-hmm. but hey, I, I know you're a very busy woman. Oh, I want to uh, mm-hmm. give you the chance now to go ahead and kind of again plug your show and i know you have another previous show that you're going to bring back hopefully this week you said can you kind of just uh let everybody know where they can find your content and what you got going on yeah so as mentioned before we uh, debuted the crew we're in episode four right now apologize i got to get some of those podcasts cleaned up because i didn't realize that i was uploading audio with the countdown on them so there's like five seconds of silence on the front mm-hmm. of all those. so we're gonna clean those up <laughs> sorry you know but but they are there if you want to scroll through and then i'll hopefully have them cleaned up by the end of the night but you can go to the crewshow.com you know to see past episodes the videos are up there um, you can always go on the YouTube page, which is uh, youtube.com undefined, youtube.com slash undefined with Josina Anderson. Um, the shows are also licensed to USA Today. So you can always download USA Today's sports app on your televisions and catch the reruns there as well, as well as getting the live streams on my social media, Twitter as well. So we are Sundays live at 7.30, right after the conclusion of the 4 p.m. games. And we are also live on Tuesdays at 8.30. And Undefined will get released on Wednesdays or Thursdays or whenever there's breaking news coverage. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a mouthful? Was that like the longest promo you ever heard? (laughs) But you got all of that in there. You got it all. (laughs) You got it all. Okay, I didn't mean for you to take the whole podcast just to explain where people could find your podcast. (laughs) Well, no, you got so much good stuff, though. And and but real quick to the show as well. Can you I need a favor. And I don't mm-hmm. know um, if this is if you could even fit this into your uh, into your concert there. But even if it's just off the air, can you ask Brian Erlacher what he thinks about Tremaine Edmonds? I, mm-hmm. I like the city of Buffalo. There's there's a big portion of the fan base that loves him like me. And then mm-hmm. there's a portion that's just like really rough on him. They don't think he deserves the extension that he possibly should get. They mm-hmm. didn't think that, the, you know, and it's just like. You know, I need to know from a I know dude that, that I know that it. your team uh, thinks very, very highly of him. I was just, just having a conversation with some folks, and I know that they think very highly of him. And Star um, was asking about, you know, the players that are standing out, and those were the two names that came. Matter of fact, I'll probably be talking about that on CBS on, on Thursday, um, just kind of sharing the impact that, I, I'm hearing that they're having, you know, on the bills. Um, so at least I can say I will also pass your question on to uh, B. R. Lacker. But I can also say that, you know, from what I hear, that they those are the first two names that came up when I was asking about who's who's you know making a big impact now. Well, I hope that that translates into extensions for both he star and Tremaine, because um, star is another one who was greatly undervalued and underappreciated, in my opinion, by the fan base. It's kind of like, you know, oh, he he doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But then when you see what he does, when you see him on the field, it's like, you know, this it's undeniable. So, yeah, I'm hoping that those things turn into extensions. Yeah, and no, I um, definitely appreciate, you know, what you're doing. Shout out to all the people out there who are you know, hustling, trying to do their thing. Um, I appreciate the compliments that you gave, you know, me as far as the beginning of the show, but, you know, hustling never stops. Um, 
a lot of the things that, you know, I'm doing now kind of goes back. I believe it's a Catherine Hepburn quote, something it says that you realize that your canoe, you know, that your canoe will not move until you drop your oar and paddle it yourself. You know what I mean? So you can sit there and just kind of watch life stand by, or you're going to realize that, you know, no matter how unfair things are or whatever you feel like you deserve or not getting, nothing is still going to happen until you paddle your own boat. And uh, so that's what I give to the people out there to keep hustling no matter what ups and downs come. My career has been over 15 years right now. And uh, so I appreciate you hustling. I see you got your setup, you got your microphone, you got your background, you, you know, keep putting your voice out there. And for everyone listening, don't wait for nobody to give you a yes, create, create your own yes. <laughs> I hear that. I'm going to keep hustling. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, take care. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be, definitely be watching. I'm going to pump your show. Thank you so much and have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being silly now. We appreciate you all. No, it's all good. Take care. We appreciate you. <laughs> like she said it, y'all know we appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to end it off like this. Y'all already know how I do it over here at Buffalo Rumless Podcast and YouTube Networks. It is your boy, Jay Spence the King. Love each other. Take care of each other and live in peace. And as always, stay positive, test negative. Go Bills. <laughs>this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a property pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the property pod wherever you get your podcasts more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.